Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Marit Larwood. Hello there. Uh, and we are doing short uh, podcasts for the summertime. These uh, are our pre-recorded summer podcasts, but don't worry. When September rolls round, we'll be going seeing new releases again. All the top films. So you think why we're not? Why are we not talking about Alpha Papa and stuff like that? It's because this is pre-recorded. It's not out yet. Uh, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, we will catch up with stuff, and we will watch new films. Cinema is alive and well. It's just we are in the. We are trapped in the past. <laughs> hey, there's a film. Yeah, we're. I'm reading a good book, actually, a good Stephen King book. What is it? It's called. It's Under the Dome. No, it's the date of um, Kennedy's assassination. It's about time travel. Oh. I love Stephen King. He's 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 written a lot of books that have made films, well, hasn't he? He has written a lot of. Every now he he writes some rubbish books. You forget how good he is. Yeah. He needs to die to be recognised for how good he is, but I love some of his... Yeah, come on, Stephen. Die already. One of my favourite uh, Stephen King stories is one called The Long Walk, which is... It went rich in, have I ever mentioned this before? No. Not? Which is when he was writing as Richard Bartman, mm. uh, James Bartman's uh, older brother. That's right. More successful older brother. And uh, he wrote The Running Man and Shawshank Redemption. Running Man's and, my favourite, I think. Yeah. Um, I haven't read that, but I read this story. It's about these people when they're 18 they just suddenly go all from different states in America just start this walk uh, one and then if they go under a certain pace they get shot and only one is left wow it sounds like a pretty um, bleak if I was writing it it would be rubbish as you can tell by the way (laughs) (laughs) you go yeah I'll I'll, I'll work on it I've got a stone in my shoe (laughs) that's what happened do you think Stephen King writes books with at least one eye on the fact that someone might pay him to turn it into a film. I don't think he cares anymore. Okay. Do you think he ever did do that? There... He must love writing because he must be so rich. Yeah. There's the the Dan Brown thing. Is there's a guy who clearly writes for uh, to to have someone buy the books off him because apparently I've not read any of Dan Brown's books, but I've been told that he has the character description of Tom Hanks's character in uh, in that is just go people often remarked he looked quite like Harrison Ford <laughs> I think that Dan Brown is a computer really it's a, it's a name a computer would call itself Dan True. Brown and I would start reading uh, his Da Vinci Code possibly one of the worst written books I've ever read in my life and you think okay that I would think be it's, I think it's the computer. biggest conspiracy of all is yeah he's a computer Wow. 
And he's so a, is the Pope. The Pope is a computer. The um, who are the famous people? Um, Nicki Minaj is a computer. <laughs> God, it, it goes all the way up, all the way. If you follow the rabbit hole, it goes yeah. all the way to the president. Bradley Cooper's a. Mo- Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Marit Larwood. Hello there. Uh, and we are doing short uh, podcasts for the summertime. These uh, are our pre-recorded summer podcasts, but don't worry. When September rolls round, we'll be going seeing new releases again. All the top films. So you think why we're not why are we not talking about Alpha Papa and stuff like that? It's because this is pre-recorded. It's not out yet. Uh, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, we will catch up with stuff, and we will watch new films. Cinema is alive and well. It's just we are in the. We are trapped in the past. <laughs> hey, there's a film. Yeah, we're. I'm reading a good book, actually, a good Stephen King book. What is it? It's called. It's under the dome. No, it's the date of um, Kennedy's assassination. It's about time travel. Oh. I love Stephen King. He's 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 written a lot of books that have made films, well, haven't he? He has written a lot of. Every now he he writes some rubbish books. You forget how good he is. Yeah. He needs to die to be recognised for how good he is, but I love some of his... Yeah, come on, Stephen. Die already. One of my favourite uh, Stephen King stories is one called The Long Walk, which is... When Richard, have I mentioned this before? No. Not? Which is when he was writing as Richard Bartman, mm. uh, James Bartman's uh, older brother. That's right. More successful older brother. And uh, he wrote The Running Man and The Shawshank Redemption. Running Man's and, my favourite, I think. Yeah. Um, I haven't read that, but I read this story. It's about these people when they're 18 they just suddenly go all from different states in America just start this walk uh, one and then if they go under a certain pace they get shot and only one is left wow and it sounds like a pretty um, bleak and if I was writing it it would be rubbish as you can tell by the way <laughs> <laughs> you go yeah I'll, I'll, I'll work on it I've got a stone in my shoe <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened do you think version. Stephen King writes books with at least one eye on the fact that someone might pay him to turn it into a film. I don't think he cares anymore. Okay. Do you think he ever did do that? It's, uh... He must love writing because he must be so rich. Yeah. This the the Dan Brown thing. Is there's a guy who clearly writes for uh, to to have someone buy the books off him because apparently I've not read any of Dan Brown's books, but I've been told that he has the character description of Tom Hanks's character in uh, in that is just go people often remarked he looked quite like Harrison Ford <laughs> I think that Dan Brown is a computer really it's a, it's a name a computer would call itself Dan True. Brown and I would start reading uh, his Da Vinci Code possibly one of the worst written books I've ever read in my life and you think okay that I would think be it's, I think it's the biggest computer. conspiracy of all is yeah Dan... he is a computer Wow. And He's so a, is the Pope. The Pope is a computer. The um, who are the famous people? Um, Nicki Minaj is a computer. <laughs> God, it, it goes all the way up. All the way. If you follow the rabbit hole, it goes yeah. all the way to the president. Bradley Cooper's a mobile phone. I can believe that, though. I can believe he's a mobile phone. Um, Rusty Lee is a Tamagotchi. Yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe. Is a broken burglar alarm, <laughs> and there, this sort of is turning into one of these conspiracy podcasts. It is. You ever listen to a conspiracy podcast? No. There's one. It's pretty crazy. 
mean, you won. I listened to a few. <laughs> All the others are very All the others are real. <laughs> listen to a few. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Okay, okay. Let's talk about films. We watched a film this week, um, and that film was uh, readily available on YouTube. Um, it's called The Day After, which is a American film from... Uh, oh God! Year? What year was it? Uh, Eighty something. When did you watch the day after? Uh, last night. Yesterday. Yeah, this is the day after. So you are talking about the day after. The day after, which is the perfect time to discuss conspiracy. Nineteen eighty-three. But it's about uh, nuclear fallout uh, in the area around Kansas um, after. There is a uh, mutually assured destruction strike uh, of America versus the Soviets, and they just launch nukes at each other. And it's aftermath. It's what happens. It's very, very reminiscent, and it's been said before to Threads, which came out the year after in Britain, but was it, uh, not a remake of it. Actually. So I was surprised. I yes. I assumed they're so similar. Yeah. Even in, in what they end with, actually, the image they end with is almost identical, ex- with one subtle difference. But um, no, I, from what I've read, the limited amount I've read is is that the day after came out first, but Threads was already in production before the day after came out. So they are one of those concurrent idea things. This was the height of like the second wave of nuclear paranoia, yeah, then, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? That no, I don't. I mean, I was one year old in 1983. Oh, I was seven. Wow. So I was fully versed <laughs> in on, fear and nu- on nuclear war- warfare. <laughs> we did. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the subjects of school. It was, wasn't it? Maths, English, PE, nuclear nu- warfare. Yes, and then uh, double chemistry. Geography. <laughs> yeah, do- geography. Yeah. Um, it's um, now the day after. So it's weirdly it's uh, it stars Steve Gutenberg and um, John Lithgow, but it's it's exactly the same as Threads. It follows the pockets of people in different areas, so you can see sort of the broad spectrum of what happens to society in a nuclear fallout. It's not about one person in particular. It's what is the most interesting thing about talking about this film, and it's a good film, but Threads is. We talked about this before. I think it's been a recurring film. Is the bleakest film I've ever seen, and one the most harrowing film I've ever seen. I think. Yes. And last stays with you, and is so powerful that it makes you actually want to go out and protest against any nuclear. Yes. Uh, miss, miss, it's, it's that I don't think a film's had that much of an effect on me as Threads. No, it's it's so relevant as well as bleak. You know. Mm. People have mentioned The Road as being one of the bleakest films, but unnecessarily bleak films they've not ever seen. Com- but Threads, I think, had a huge effect on people at the time, and everyone yeah. was talking about it. Well, well it's also I- done in a documentary style, uh, Threads, whereas The Day After isn't. Um, but So it makes it even more sort of uh, possible. Uh, and it doesn't uh, relent either. Threads is as bleak as it would be. It yeah. doesn't then have its happy ending after. That's Nuclear what's in- interesting. I think the objective of the day after, and it says at the end, we hope this would, you know, this discourage, does... uh, you know, nu- mutually assured destruction. Yeah, but it, it, but it still can't. Here comes Buddy. Hello, he come back from his walk. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's been no nuclear warfare. I can report. <laughs> uh, from Buddy's happy demeanour. Yes, he does not. He, he's got all of his own hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
Yeah, they, they, even though it's, if it's trying to be a film uh, to discourage nuclear warfare in quite a strong way, it still can't escape from the conventions of American of film. American films. It can't. It has to give it a happy ending. It has to show that hope will always out, and it has to show that it'll be all right in the end. And people are at, at their heart good, aren't they? Um, and even when their their characters are suffering from radiation poisoning and essentially dying. It isn't as bleak as it can be. No, it's like it's a struggle within itself to not have you know. There's even a moment of uh, they they uh, a girl is go- going a bit stir crazy in the shelter and runs outside, and Steve Guttenberg chases her, and it's uh, the farmyard is all covered in ash, and it's almost shot like it's quite beautiful, isn't it? It looks, <laughs> it's almost like they're frolicking in blossom. Yes, and you know? that's snow. It's yeah, snowy, yeah, yeah. quiet. A quiet snowy scene, except the fact that all the cattle are dead. <laughs> yeah. If they were sleeping covered in snow, it would be fine. Yeah. You cannot escape talking about this film, Wilbur. And someone's written up, Ben Hyden, I think, wrote on our Facebook page, just watch threads. That's it, just watch threads. Yeah. I think it's like one of those things with an advert for another a, film. It is a fascinating thing just to, just to get a sense for the intrinsic difference between American and British attitudes, though. Um, yeah, I think it is. It is quite endemic of the the difference. Yeah, I think that that cynicism and the lack of uh, po- uh, uh, positivity. Yeah, that is. Yeah, or realism. Said, it's, it's yeah, you know, maybe. I think. Well, I think if you go when I've been been to the states, there has been a sort of air, a positive feel to it. I mean, yes. it's like New York, Buffalo, Detroit, around there. Even that, even those places have had some positivity. Yes, that's. A part of American people's makeup that just is not there yeah. in the in the, as you say the cynicism of the British. Yes, but as a result, I think for this, uh, not all, but for this subject matter, I think Threads is feels more real. It feels more appropriate. There's, it, there's times when the I, it, I really felt like I was watching a TV movie with the day after. Yeah, I think because they both are TV movies. Yeah, Nuclear War. Movies. Is so brutal and random, mm. and in in the American version, you thought you sort of knew, they had picked out the main characters, and they were survivors, and they weren't. It felt like you were yeah. follow, following arcs of different stories when you're in it. You're not in nuclear war in the British one. You're just like, oh, you're just dead. That's what happens. You can be a char- fully formed character, but yeah. you're dead. Yeah, you can be this, and it's so shocking to have. Because your brain's not used to having yes. that suddenly just full stop put in the middle of a sentence almost. Yeah. That it is, it does hit you harder. And the wrong other characters you think aren't going to survive. Fred is great because it gives you real, they both show about half an hour or more than that of these normal lives. Yes. So you're just stuck in, especially in Fred, you, you, it feels like a normal program. So the shock of nuclear war is all that more real. Yes. I tell you what the day after does that Threads didn't that I thought was a haunting image. It was really good. Was the scenes of um, sort of uh, pastoral domesticity in suburbia with the their own rockets being launched into the sky just these because these silos are near their farms and near their homes. Yeah. You know, it's just part of the landscape. And all of these rockets heading over... Uh, and what they knew that meant inevitably. Yeah. But it's such a sort of slow image as well of just like these plumes of smoke rising into the sky. Buddy's doing some break dancing. Shall I? Come That's on. what he would do if there was a nuclear nuclear war. Break dancing. 
So watch both of them, but nonetheless, it is still a good film. Absolutely. You know, Threads, if you're only going to watch one depressing nuclear fallout film, then watch Threads. But um, for completionist's sake, I think it's fascinating to watch the day after as well. Um, There's a really good quote from... uh, I was reading it on the Wikipedia page, but um, uh, from Carl Sagan. After the original broadcast of The Day After on American television, they actually had a debate about uh, nuclear arms um, with Carl Sagan on one side um, and uh, who's the other guy? Um, Sorry, William F. Buckley Jr., who was a conservative writer. He was Um, pro. He was pro, yeah. Um, But it famously... um, uh, Famously, Sagan described the arms race in in this way, which I just thought was great, which was, Imagine a room awash with gasoline, and there are two implacable enemies in that room. One of them has 9,000 matches, the other 7,000 matches. Each of them is concerned about who's ahead, who's stronger. And he's absolutely right. Like, There's a line in the day after where I just went, Blimey neck. Where in the early warning system that's being manned, they just go, 300 warheads are heading our way. 300 of them. Mm. It, it is still a terrifying concept. I mean, it's... I mean, it's like biggest TV thing, isn't it? Hey? Who's got the biggest TV? Yeah. I mean, does it matter? They're all showing crap. That does matter, actually. <laughs> does it? I think, actually, I'm, that's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't thought it through quite. It's a little bit similar, but it's not yeah. similar. In a, you know, smaller and bigger way, but nothing much beyond that. There's no there's no death toll. No. No. Um, talking about death tolls... Yes. No, I'm no you can't seven. segue that way. <laughs> We've got another one-minute review. We do. Thank you for sending in your one-minute reviews. Um, just, please do send in more of them as well. This isn't just a talking one, though. Someone's only written a blooming song. Oh my God, the bar just got raised. Yeah. This LT Jones, who is at Twitter, at Lord Tooth. And he's got a blog, where he's blogging a novel one chapter at a time. I'm doing this because he's just put so much effort into it, which is lordtooth.wordpress.com. So read his novel and follow him, because he's watched a film. (laughs) Good man. He's gone to see the Wolverine. So uh, here is uh, Lord Tooth's um, one-minute review. Sing it, baby. Well, there's lots of fun with old Logan running around that there Japan. There's vicious hordes with samurai swords trying to fight that metal bone man. There's thrills and spills and planes and trains and excellent set pieces. But the problem with the films is stories like trying to write a tale about Jesus. He's invulnerable and immortal. They have the manufactured jeopardy And it's not as if the Wolverine Is known for witty repartee Some of the dialogue is quite bad There's a good sidekick and an evil prick And a morally dubious loner Some great effects, a hint of sex But we don't see Jacqueline's boner There's a lack of resolution to the narrative arc And plot points seem quite forced And spoiler alert, in the last five minutes Old Wolverine loses his claws It quickly becomes predictable like the fights on the bullet train Shinkansen And without a doubt, my favourite parts Are the bits with Famkeyansen I give it six teeth Excellent Excellent Thank you very much 
And did you say where you could send our reviews to? No, I haven't yet. But you can send them to dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Or if you uh, want to commit less than uh, doing a one-minute recorded review, then why not just talk to us on our Facebook wall, forward slash filmfandango. That's right, buddy. Or tweet us at filmfandango. Or if you would like to contribute towards our running costs, because we do this all for free, then go to filmfandango.co.uk. And for everyone who's already donated, thank you very much. It's all deeply appreciated. That's about it, isn't it? Buddy is still going crazy over in the corner. He's doing some amazing breakdancing. It's phenomenal. I didn't know a dog could rotate on just on its nose like that. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, if only we had a camera. Yeah. Oh, well. Keep watching the films. Keep watching the films. Bye. Bye. Killer fallout uh, in the area around Kansas. Um, after there is a uh, mutually assured destruction strike uh, of America versus the Soviets, and they just launch nukes at each other, and it's aftermath. It's what happens. It's very, very reminiscent, and it's been said before to Threads, which came out the year after in Britain, but was it, uh, not a remake of it. Actually. So I was surprised. I th- yes. I assumed they're so similar. Yeah. Even in, in what they end with, actually, the image they end with is almost identical, ex- with one subtle difference. But um, no, I, I, from what I've read, the limited amount I've read is is that the day after came out first, but Threads was already in production before the day after came out. So they are one of those concurrent idea things. This was the height of like the second wave of nuclear paranoia, yeah, yeah. then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? That no, I don't. I mean, I was one year old in nineteen eighty three. Oh, I was seven. Wow. So I was fully versed <laughs> in on, fear and nu- on nuclear war- warfare. <laughs> we did. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the subjects of school. It was, wasn't it? Maths, English, PE, nuclear nu- warfare. Yes, and then uh, double chemistry. Geography. <laughs> yeah, do- geography. Yeah. Um, it's um, now the day after. So it's weirdly it's uh, it stars Steve Guttenberg and um, John Lithgow, but it's it's exactly the same as Threads. It follows pockets of people in different areas, so you can see sort of the broad spectrum of what happens to society in a nuclear fallout. It's not about one person in particular. It's what is the most interesting thing about talking about this film, and it's a good film, but Threads is. We talked about this before. I think it's been a recurring film. Is the bleakest film I've ever seen, and one the most harrowing film I've ever seen. I think. Yes. And last stays with you, and is so powerful that it makes you actually want to go out and protest against any nuclear. Yes. Uh, miss, miss, it's, it's that I don't think our films had that much of an effect on me as threats. No, it's it's so relevant as well as bleak. You know. Mm. People have mentioned The Road as being one of the bleakest films, but unnecessarily bleak films they've not ever com- seen. But Threads, I think, had a huge effect on people at the time, and everyone yeah. was talking about it. People well, it's also done in a documentary style, uh, Threads, whereas The Day After isn't. Um, but So it makes it even more sort of uh, possible. Uh, and it doesn't uh, relent either. Threads is as bleak as it would be. It yeah. doesn't then have its happy ending after. That's Nuka what's in- interesting. I think the objective of the day after, and it says at the end, we hope this would, you know, this discourage 
you know, mutually assured destruction. Yeah, but it, it, but it still can't. Here comes Buddy. Hello, You've come buddy. back from his walk. Now, <laughs> yeah, there's been no nuclear warfare. I can report uh, <laughs> from Buddy's happy demeanour. Yes, he does not. He's got all of his own hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they even though it's, if it's trying to be a film uh, to discourage nuclear warfare in quite a strong way, it still can't escape from the conventions of American of film. American films. It can't. It has to give it a happy ending. It has to show that hope will always out, and it has to show that it'll be all right in the end. And people are at, at their heart good, aren't they? But, um, and even when their their characters are suffering from radiation poisoning and essentially dying, it isn't as bleak as it can be. No. It's like it's a struggle within itself to not have, you know... There's even a moment of uh, they... they uh, a girl is go- going a bit stir-crazy in the shelter and runs outside, and Steve Guttenberg chases her, and it's uh, the farmyard is all covered in ash. And it's almost shot like... It's quite beautiful, isn't it? It look, it's almost like they're frolicking in blossom. Yes, it looks like snow. A yeah, snowy, yeah, yeah. A quiet, a quiet snowy scene, except the fact that all the cattle are dead. <laughs> yeah, if they were sleeping covered in snow, it'll be fine. Yeah, it, it, you cannot escape talking about this film. With and someone's written up Ben Hyten, I think wrote on our Facebook page. Just watch Threads. That's it. Just watch Threads. Yeah. I think it's like one of those things with an advert for another a, film. It is a fascinating thing just to just to get a sense for the intrinsic difference between American and British attitudes, though. Um, yeah, I think it is it is quite endemic of the the difference. Yeah, I think that's that cynicism and the lack of uh, po- uh, uh, positivity. Yeah, that is. Yeah, or realism. Say, it's, it's, yeah, you know, maybe. I think. Well, I think if you go when I've been been to the states, there has been a sort of air. Uh, positive feel to it I mean yes. it's like New York Buffalo Detroit around there even that even those places have had some positivity yes that's a part of American people's makeup that just is not there yeah. in the in the, as you said the cynicism of the British yes but as a result I think for this uh, not all but for this subject matter I think Threads is feels more real it feels more Appropriate. There's, there's times when the I, it, I really felt like I was watching a TV movie with the day after. Yeah, I think because they both are TV movies. Yeah, Nuclear War is so brutal and random. Mm. And in in the American version, you thought you sort of knew, they had picked up the main characters and they were survivors and they weren't. It felt like you were yeah. follow, following arcs of different stories when you're in it. You're not in Nuclear War in the British one. You're like, oh, you're just dead. That's what happens. You can be a char- fully formed character, but yeah. you're dead. Yeah. You can be this, and it's so shocking to have because your brain's not used to yes. having that suddenly just full stop put in the middle of a sentence almost. Yeah. That it is uh, it does hit you harder, and the wrong other characters you think aren't going to survive. Fred is great because it gives you real. They both show about half an hour or more than that of these normal lives. Yes. So you're just stuck in, especially in Fred. You you. Uh, it feels like a normal program, so the shock of nuclear war is all that more real. Yes. I tell you what, the day after does that threads didn't that I thought was a haunting image. It was really good. Was the scenes of um, sort of uh, pastoral domesticity in suburbia with the their own rockets being launched 
into the sky of just these because these silos are near their farms and near their homes. Yeah. You know, it's just part of the landscape. And all of these rockets heading over uh, and what they knew that meant inevitably. Yeah. But it's such a sort of slow image as well of just like these plumes of smoke rising into the sky. Buddy's doing some breakdancing. Shall I? Come That's on. what he would do if there was a nuclear nuclear war. Breakdancing. So watch both of them. But nonetheless, it is still a good film. Absolutely. You know, Threads, if you're only going to watch one depressing nuclear fallout film, then watch Threads. But um, for completionist's sake, I think it's fascinating to watch the day after as well. Um, there's a really good quote from... Uh, I was reading it on the Wikipedia page, but... Um, uh, from Carl Sagan. After the original broadcast of The Day After on American television, they actually had a debate about uh, nuclear arms um, with Carl Sagan on one side um, and uh, who's the other guy? Um, sorry, William F. Buckley Jr., who was a conservative writer. He was um, pro, but He I was bet. pro, yeah. Um, but it famously... Um, uh, famously Sagan described the arms race in, in this way, which I just thought was great, which was, imagine a room awash with gasoline and there are two implacable enemies in that room. One of them has 9,000 matches, the other 7,000 matches. Each of them is concerned about who's ahead, who's stronger. And he's absolutely right. Like, yeah. the, the, There's a line in the day after where I just went, blooming heck where in the early warning system that's being manned, they just go 300 warheads are heading our way. 300 of them. Mm. It, it is still a terrifying concept. I mean, it's... I mean, it's like biggest TV thing, isn't it? Hey? <laughs> Who's got the biggest TV? Yeah. I mean, does it matter? They're all showing crap. That does matter, actually. <laughs> does it? I think, actually, I'm, that's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't thought it through quite. It's a little bit similar, but it's not yeah. similar. In a you know smaller and bigger way, but nothing much beyond that. There's no, there's no death toll. No, no. Um, talking about death tolls. Yes. No, I'm no, you can't segue that, that way. <laughs> We've got another one minute review. We do. Thank you for sending in your one minute reviews. Um, just, please do send in more of them as well. This isn't just a talking one, though. Someone's only written a blooming song. Oh my God, the bar just got raised. Yeah. This LT Jones, who is or at Twitter, at Lord Tooth. And he's got a blog where he's blog, blogging a novel one chapter at a time. I'm doing this because he's just put so much effort into it, which is lordtooth.wordpress.com. So read his novel and follow him because he's watched a film. <laughs> Good man. He's gone to see the Wolverine. So uh, here is uh, Lord Tooth's um, one-minute review. Sing it, baby. Well, there's lots of fun with old Logan running around that there Japan. There's vicious hordes with samurai swords trying to fight that metal bone man. There's thrills and spills and planes and trains and excellent set pieces. But the problem with the films is stories like trying to write a tale about Jesus. He's invulnerable and immortal. They have the manufactured jeopardy. And it's not as if the Wolverine is known for witty repartee. Some of the dialogue is quite bad. 
bad. There's a good sidekick and an evil prick and a morally genius loner. Some great effects, a hint of sex, but we don't see Jacqueline's boner. There's a lack of resolution to the narrative arc and put points in quite force. And spoiler alert, in the last five minutes, old Wolvie loses his claws. It quickly becomes predictable, like the fights on the bullet train Shinkansen. And without a doubt, my favourite parts are the bits with Famke Janssen. I give it six teeth. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. And did you say where you could send our reviews to? No, I haven't yet. But you can send them to dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Or if you uh, want to commit less than uh, doing a one-minute recorded review, then why not just talk to us on our Facebook wall, forward slash filmfandango. That's right, buddy. Or tweet us at filmfandango. Or if you would like to contribute towards our running costs, because we do this all for free, then go to filmfandango.co.uk. And for everyone who's already donated, thank you very much. It's all deeply appreciated. That's about it, isn't it? Buddy is still going crazy over in the corner. He's doing some amazing breakdancing. It's phenomenal. I didn't know a dog could rotate on just on its nose like that. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, if only we had a camera. Yeah. Oh, well. Keep watching the films. Keep watching the films. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.